Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, as you're making your travel plans, remember to check johnnydollarair.com. johnnydollarair.com is our Priceline affiliate link. So when you go through johnnydollarair.com, part of the purchase price supports the great detectives of old-time radio at no additional cost to you. So remember, when making your travel plans, check johnnydollarair.com first. Now, let's get into today's episodes of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air dates, December the 28th to December the 30th, 1955. And this is the Forbes Matter, episodes 3 through 5. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Ed Gumby, Mr. Dollar. Attorney for Sheldon Forbes. Oh, hello, Mr. Gumby. How are you? Oh, I don't know. The hearing's been set for 2.30 this afternoon. Okay, I'll be there. No need to, particularly. As I told you yesterday, he requested me to waive trial and plead guilty. Well, won't he be sentenced today? No, this is just a preliminary hearing. He'll probably be sentenced before the week's out, though. The court will simply consider the waiver and inform him of his rights today. Oh. Anything I can do? No, I don't think so. I'm going to try to talk to him again and get him to reconsider the waiver. I doubt if I'll have much luck, but I'll try. All he has to do is return the money he stole. Well, buck up, Mr. Gumby. If he won't return it, maybe someone else will. Hmm? What do you mean? I'm going to try and find out what he did with it. My company wants it back, sure. But we also want Forbes to have a fair chance. You're pretty decent, Mr. Dollar. Thanks. <laughs> Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Continental Adjustment Bureau, 418 Elizabeth Avenue, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Forbes matter. Embezzlement and a very frustrating case. Expense account continued. Item 6, $3.50, lunch. For myself and a Mr. Arnold Haven, head of the accounting department for Century Styles Incorporated. Mr. Haven, a tall, balding man in a dark suit, had ulcers. His poached egg and dry toast didn't interest him too much. Uh, well, what's going to happen to Forbes? Oh, I don't know, Mr. Haven. That depends on several things. Right now, I have to tell you that it looks like he'll go to prison. Worse than that, it looks like he wants to go to prison. He's waived trial. Prison. It's too bad. Too bad. I always liked Sheldon Forbes. You, uh, you hired him, did you, Mr. Haven? Yes, I hired him. He was a good man right from the start. He did his job, and he did it well. I never had a complaint against Forbes. Why do you suppose he stole the money? You've got me, Mr. Dollar. We paid him the going rate. That's a good salary for accountants. He seemed happy enough with it. When he knew he was in line for substantial raises. Uh Uh-huh. 
I could understand it in a way if he had a family and heavy responsibility. Or if he played the market, or if he gambled. But Forbes, he just baffles me. Yeah, baffles me too. Huh? Oh, yes. Well, the people around the office, they're, they're pretty upset about this. Any particular people, Mr. Haven? Everybody. But anyone in particular? A girl, for instance. Oh, oh a girl, yes, I see. Well, no. Did he go out with any girl in your office? No, no, most of them are married. No, at least as far as I know, Forbes didn't go with any of the girls there. He kept to himself. Oh, he might have lunched with one or the other now and then, but... No, no, he more or less kept to himself. Uh-huh. Well, the reason I asked you, Mr. Haven, is that what little I've been able to find out about his personal life isn't very helpful. My company wants the money back. We're willing to give him a fair break if we can get it back. And he's pretty stubborn about cooperating. Yes, we know about that, Mr. Dollar. But how can we give him a break if he doesn't want us to? And we can't find out anything about him. Look, if there's anything you can think of, any any reason he might have had for taking the money... And I've racked my brain. I can't think of any reason. I... Oh. Now, wait a minute. Just a minute. I did notice a change coming, Forbes. It was about a month or six weeks ago. Oh, it was nothing, really. It was just, uh, I guess, an anxiety about him. Well, he took all the money within the last four weeks. Would that correspond? Roughly, Yes. Well, that's a start. I hope. I returned to the accounting offices of Century Styles with Mr. Haven and spent two hours questioning different members of his staff regarding Sheldon Forbes. His habits and his personality were pretty much the same as Haven himself had described them. Expense account item seven, $4, gasoline. I put a tank full of gas in my rented car and went over to an apartment on 59th Street where Sheldon Forbes had lived. According to the penciled note above the first door to the right of the entrance, Mrs. Anastasia Kanopka was the manager. Yes, what is, please? You're Mrs. Kanopka? Yes. What do you want, mister? I understand Mr. Sheldon Forbes lives here, is that right? Oh, yes. Bad. Bad. I hear he still monies. Bad. He not in, in jail, I think. Yes, I know about that, Mrs. Kanopka. I'm from the insurance company, and we're involved in this case. We're trying to recover some of that money if we can. I wonder if you'd help me. I fixed dinner for my husband. He's come home from work. It so... won't take long. Uh, what I do? Well, I, I want to know about Sheldon Forbes. What? The works, Mrs. Kanopka. Did he drink, gamble? Did he stay in nights or go out? Did he pay his rent? He always pay his rent... You are policeman? An insurance investigator. Please, sometime else. Maybe you speak to my husband. He speaks much better than me. But it's important now. I talked to Mr. Forbes on telephone. He called me from jail. He said, I no have to answer any questions. No, no, you don't have to answer any questions, Mrs. Kanopka. But I'd sure appreciate it if you would. My husband home pretty soon. You ask him. You can help him, possibly. Now, would you like to help him in this trouble? All right, mister, but how I know these things you ask about men who live here? Well, well, look, how about his friends? Who visited him? I, I cannot say. No visitor. Was he a good tenant? No trouble, like Mr. O'Sullivan on third floor. Mr. O'Sullivan always drunk. Called police twice. Mr. Forbes not drink whiskey. Uh-huh. Did you ever meet his girl? Girl? Sure. He had a girlfriend, didn't he? 
Oh, I think you mistake. I don't ever see girlfriend here. All right. How long have you known him? Five, six years, maybe. Ever since he moved in here to this place. But no girl? No. Well, how did he spend his time? Work. He worked very hard. No, I mean besides working at the office. How else did Forbes spend his time? I've been... Oh, he poor feller, that one. Huh? Sure, he steals money, but he poor feller just the same. For him, I feel. Yeah. Mr. Forbes, he quiet and, and he think. I know he live up in that little room quiet and think. He does all time think. No whiskey, no girls. Oh, he paints sometimes, listen to music, think. Oh, my husband, Dina Byrne, please, you go Well, uh, just a minute. I'd like to see his apartment if I can. Oh, no matter. Here. You bring back key, please. Sure. Thank you, Mrs. Konopka. The apartment Sheldon Forbes called home was as dismal as the neighborhood. A tiny closet kitchen, a bed that came out of the wall, a pair of grimy windows that looked across the court onto another pair of equally grimy windows. The furniture was threadbare and dusty. A small ironing board and iron attested to the fact that Sheldon Forbes laundered his own shirts. Other small evidences of frugality were about the premises. A hot plate and a can of souring cream. Two suits of clothes, neatly brushed and pressed, but inexpensive. The record player and a collection of a half a dozen good albums were the only sign of material accomplishment. The painting materials, easel, canvas, and oils were also inexpensive. No liquor, no jewelry, no expensive clothes. Nothing that cost $4,285 or anything like it. Oh. Here's your key, Mrs. Konopka. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, I thank you. Well... What you think? I think he's had a very lonely life here. Oh, Doc. Yes. Lonely is the word. Lonely. Um, oh, wait. Has he got a car? In back through alley. Thanks. It was a Ford. Vintage of 1946. Tightly locked up. The paint was scaling away, the tires worn down, the mileage 77,000 miles. He certainly hadn't blown the money on a fancy car. Now I felt completely frustrated. Expense account item 8, 79 cents, dinner. I had it in a neighborhood restaurant called the 79er, a place I learned where Sheldon Forbes frequently took his evening meal. The restaurant manager, a man named Alexander Dupolis, Remembered Forbes and he liked him. A woman who ran a bakery shop across the street also remembered him as the young man who bought a roll there every night. Probably the roll to go with a lonely cup of coffee in his room the next morning. She liked him too. All in all, I was getting a composite picture of Sheldon Forbes that didn't look quite right. Whatever he was to the people who knew him casually, he wasn't a man who ever had any money to spend. I dropped in at the city jail about 7.30, and I was surprised to find lawyer Edward Gumby sitting on a bench, briefcase in hand. Dollar? Hello, Mr. Gumby. Nothing new, huh? Well, that's the way it goes, I guess. We had some action today. Oh? Yeah. The hearing was this afternoon. Man from the district attorney's office took about 15 minutes to lay out the evidence against Forbes and make the charges. Uh Uh-huh. 
I spent the whole time pleading with Forbes not to go ahead with the waiver. Did I miss anything? No, he wouldn't open up at all. Just said he'd spent the money. I couldn't talk him out of the waiver, so it went through. When will he be sentenced? They set the date for Friday. I don't know whether they'll get around to it or not. I'd like to talk to him again. Has he been moved yet? No. I thought he'd be transferred to the sheriff's office. Well, ordinarily he would, but since he waived trial, they announced bail. It's proper procedure in cases like this. Gives him a couple of days to straighten out his affairs. Why? Somebody bailed him out? I did. Oh. Has he left yet? Uh Uh-uh. Won't get out till late. That's when the shift changes. Think it's worth trying to see him? Yeah. I think I'll stick around, Mr. Gumby. I gotta find out something about this case. An hour later, when Sheldon Forbes emerged from the doorway and turned right, I was following him. When he caught a cab and headed uptown, I caught one and stayed right with him. When he got out at the Empress Theater and walked around to the stage door, I was standing by the alley entrance. Ten minutes later, he came back out, hailed a cab, once more I followed. This time, I followed him to his apartment on 59th Street. I waited 15 minutes before I went in. Forbes? Forbes? Hey, Forbes, it's me, Johnny Dollar. I want to talk to you. It took me a few seconds to understand what it was. I got a couple of whiffs of it coming from under his door. Forbes! The room was acrid, stinging with gas fumes, and Sheldon Forbes was stretched down on the floor of his six-foot kitchen. When I picked him up and carried him out, I didn't know whether he was alive or dead. Johnny Dollar. Yes, didn't you get it? It's on the way, sir. I'm calling to verify the circumstances. Attempted suicide by gas. Yes, sir, we have that. The victim's name? Sheldon Forbes, F-O-R-B-E-S. Forbes? And your connection, sir? Relative, perhaps? No, no relation. Insurance investigator. I just found him. Will you please remain there until the officers arrive? Are you kidding? I asked you, but... Oh. Oh, well, thank you very much. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Continental Adjustment Bureau, 418 Elizabeth Avenue, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Forbes matter. Sheldon Forbes pleaded guilty to a $4,285 embezzling charge. He waived jury trial and was awaiting sentence when he was bailed out of jail, went home, and turned on the gas. Thirty seconds after I dragged him from the apartment, I called the police emergency squad. In a matter of minutes, they arrived, and a couple of interns were working on fours with a pull motor in that dingy, dirty, badly lighted hallway. There was no telling how much gas Forbes had breathed in, or for how long a period after he went into his apartment, the gas jet had been opened. Hand me that hypo, Al. Thanks. Swab. Okay. He, uh... He alive? 
Barely. You the fellow found him, mister? Yeah. Hard to say what can happen on these kind. That shot I just gave him should produce some reaction. Hmm. This your place? His. You know who he is? His name's Sheldon Forbes. Nice looking guy. Well, I'll need that. Yeah, thanks. I think we're getting somewhere now. Hey, look, can I help? No. Well, you better hand me one of those, too. I'm able to be pretty sick if... Oh, hey, good. He's, he's catching on. Yeah. Let's have a little increase, Al. Up it just a little. Okay. Hold it there. The intern and his assistant worked quietly and methodically. There was nothing I could do but stand and watch. After about a half an hour, the color of Forbes' skin seemed to me a little more close to normal. His eyes were still closed, though, and he showed no signs of movement. I waited. Okay, Al. You can kill the pull motor. I'm getting some pulse now. Respiration, too. Will he make it? Uh, depends, mister. If he has any kind of heart condition, it'll be tough. We can tell more when we get him into a hospital. Nothing more we can do for him here. Okay, Al. Have the boys load him up. Let's get out of here. Uh, now, mister, uh, you say he's a friend of yours? Just someone I knew. He's got you to thank, in case he makes it. Where'll he be? We'll take him over to Bellevue. All attempted suicides get over there. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk to him when he comes around. Any idea when that'll be? No telling. Better phone in first. Police will want to talk to you. You give identification to headquarters when you're called in? Yeah. Yeah, that's the third one tonight. What is it, the weather? Not for him. My job is to handle them, but I wonder why they do it. Oh, this guy's got a problem. He's out on bail, goes into court Friday to be sentenced, embezzling charge. Oh. Seemed like a nice guy to look at. I think he probably is a nice guy. Well, I thought you said he was an embezzler. I did. Well, be sure and call in. Yeah, sure, doctor. Thanks. Good night. The uniformed officers outside the apartment house questioned me thoroughly regarding the circumstances of the attempted suicide. I told them what had occurred and gave them my business address for reference. They asked me to ride over to the station with them and verify the facts. I did. All of that took about two hours. When I was finished, I put in a call to Bellevue. No change in Sheldon Forbes' condition. Expense account item 9, 280, one theater ticket. That's what it cost me to see the last 15 minutes of a fairly bad musical play at the Empress Theater. When it was over, I walked around to the stage entrance. Hey, didn't quite get that, mister. Dollar. Dollar? Oh, uh, Mr. Dollar. Uh-huh. Well, uh, what can I do for you? Between 6.30 and 7 o'clock tonight, a man came here to the stage entrance and talked to you. A lot of people talk to me here. That's my job, talking to them. One man in particular. His name is Sheldon Forbes. I uh, don't remember nobody named Forbes. Well, maybe he didn't give his name. He was a tall man, about my size, 30 or so, dark hair, clean cut. Wore a tweed suit. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, beats me. Did he come here to see somebody in the show? Is that it? He might have. I don't know. Well, how do you know he came here? I followed him. I saw him. Huh? It's a business. My business. I'm an investigator. Oh. oh. Wait now. Did he have a hat on tonight? No, no, he didn't. A short haircut? Yeah. Do you remember him? Sure, sure. What's he done? Struck me as a nice young fella. He's been around here a lot of times. Sheldon Forbes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't recognize the name at first. Would you mind telling me why he comes around here? Comes here to see Betsy Walker. One of the girls in the show. Betsy Walker. Is she his girlfriend? No, don't think so. Uh, It's like this. He comes here asking to see her, and she never sees him. You get it? Yeah, I suppose so. Who is she? Oh, she sings here. Dances a little. Pretty girl. Have you ever seen her with Forbes? Well. I I can't say. I guess not. Is she still here? Huh? Betsy Walker, is she still here? I'd like to talk to her. Well, she wouldn't be here this late. She finishes her bit in the second act. Could you tell me where she lives? No. Oh, no. No, no. I'm sorry, boy. I can't tell you that. All right. Well, where can I phone her? Can't tell you that either. Uh, Now, uh, why don't you drop around tomorrow? It's important tonight. Hey, look, would you do me a favor? Depends. What is it? Would you telephone Betsy Walker? Tell her my business and ask her if she'll see me. Well, suppose I can do that all right, Mr. Dollar. Uh, take a chair there. I'll see what I can do for you. The doorman did all right. Expense account, item 10, $2.65, cab fare. I gave up my rented car and had the cab driver find the address Betty Walker had given. It was a rather nice apartment in a rather nice part of town. It was almost one in the morning when I got there. She met me at the door, wrapped in a chenille dressing gown with cold cream on her face. Miss Walker? You must be Mr. Dollar. Yes. Uh, now, just wait a minute. Do you mind if I see some kind of identification or something like that? Oh, no, no. Here you are. Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, You'd be surprised at some of the things some men will try. Come in, please. Thank you. I didn't quite understand Frank on the telephone. Frank? Oh, the doorman at the theater. Yes. I didn't know quite what to make of it. Goodness, are you really an insurance detective? Uh, Yes, and I'd appreciate you letting me see you tonight, Miss Walker. Sit down. Can I fix you a drink? No, no, thanks. Uh... Frank mentioned something about Forbes. You're here because of him? Yes, Miss Walker. I understand that you know Forbes. No, uh, not exactly, that is. Uh, there's some reservation in the way you say that, Miss Walker. You know his name. Yes, I, I know the name. Uh, can I ask you what this is all about? Routine investigation. I'm curious. How did you get my name? How am I connected with Sheldon Forbes? That's what I'd like you to tell me. Well, first about my name. Forbes was at the theater earlier tonight asking for you. I understand he's been around there quite a bit. Yes. I really don't know how to tell you this, Mr. Dollar. I've only seen that man once in my life, honestly. He's, oh, he's really quite impossible. I just, oh, dear, this is so embarrassing to try to explain this. Maybe I can save you some embarrassment, then, if you'll answer one question. Sure, why not? Did Sheldon Forbes ever give you any presents? Yes. What? Well, that cigarette box on the table there. 
and the lighter to go with it. Hmm. Tiffany's. Pretty, aren't they? Yeah, very. Also expensive. What else? Well, um, let me think. Um, oh, no, no, that wasn't from him. Oh, uh, that was the lamp over there. Mm-hmm. And a first stole. May I see it? I'm afraid I gave that away. You did? I gave it to my kid sister who was visiting me last week. I already had one. Oh, I see. What else did he give you? I think that's about it. Except for orchids that used to come every night. A dozen orchids every night for the last month. You only saw him once and he gave you all these gifts? Oh, dear, I, I know how that must sound. I just... Look, it started a month or so, I guess. I got a card in my dressing room one night asking me to dinner. It was signed Sheldon Forbes. So? Well, I'd never heard of anybody named Sheldon Forbes, and I just tore the card up. But every night after that, I kept getting orchids and the card. And then the gifts started to come. The cigarette box first. That's when I saw him. Uh-huh. I didn't even dine with him, Mr. Dollar. We had one drink, and I told him I had a headache. I see. But the gifts still kept coming. Flowers, invitations. I ignored them. I tried to send the things back, and I didn't know where to send them. Some I gave away, and some I've kept. I didn't want his gifts. He was nice, but I... Well, I just didn't want anything to do with him. When I did meet him, he was so different than what I had imagined. I mean, well... Gee, I've had my share of stage door Johnny's, but this man was... Well, he just couldn't say a word without stumbling. He had no poise, no sophistication... Nothing. All he had was money. He told you that? He didn't have to. Those gifts... Well, he didn't have money, Miss Walker. He worked for $82 a week as a bookkeeper. You must be mistaken. I'm afraid not. He stole the money to buy you all these things. Well, for heaven's sake. For heaven's sake, and you caught him? Yeah. Forbes tried to commit suicide earlier this evening. Suicide? Oh, no. I'm sorry I had to come to you to get this information. He's refused all along to tell anybody what he did with the money. Will he go to prison? I'm afraid so. Oh, but it's crazy. We had nothing. He's just a name to me. He means nothing to me. Yeah. But apparently you mean something to him. Johnny Dollar. This is Betsy Walker, Mr. Dollar. I'm up and around. Yes, thanks for calling. Have any time this morning? I think so. If possible, I'd like to come over to your apartment again and take an inventory of the gifts that Sheldon Forbes sent you. That'll be all right, sure. About an hour? Sure. Uh, I couldn't sleep much last night thinking about all this. I mean, he stole that money because of me. You mustn't feel that way, Miss Walker. He knew what he was doing. You had no part in the theft. I have the gifts. Well, we may have to take those away from you. I just talked to the hospital. He's going to be all right. But he has to go to prison? Yes. <sighs> Funny world, Mr. Dollar. Yeah. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Continental Adjustment Bureau, 418 Elizabeth Avenue, Hartford, Connecticut. 
The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Forbes matter. More expenses. Items 11 to 16. $78.40. Cab fares, meals, accounting services, legal services, cab fares, and more cab fares. I made a comprehensive inventory at Betsy Walker's apartment and spent the rest of the day tracking down the places where the items had been purchased and ascertaining their retail values. Total, $2,780 worth of gifts. Bought with stolen money. Betsy Walker also told me that Sheldon Forbes had made appointments to meet her at various times at very expensive restaurants in New York. She had never once kept any of these appointments, but a check with the Waldorf, 21, the Stork, and several other places revealed that Forbes had always made elaborate arrangements to entertain her. His restaurant bills came to $835. The florist bill, $670. Total amount spent, $4,285. Total amount stolen... $4,285. Century Styles Incorporated footed the bill in his unsuccessful courtship of Betsy Walker. Hello. Hi. Remember me, Forbes? Sure, insurance man. Well, what now? How do you feel? Okay. You saved me, didn't you? I suppose so. Why? Same reason you'd save a man who was dying. Huh. You know what I've been doing? What? Answering the questions you wouldn't answer. I met Betsy Walker. What? My job, Forbes. I had to. How did you know about her? I followed you night before last. When you got out on bail, I saw you go to the theater. Listen, you had no right to go to her. You have no right to involve her in any of this. Why didn't you think of that a month or so ago? It's the company's money you've been spending on her. I had every right, as unpleasant as it is. I suppose she knows all about me now. That's right, all. Boy, I sure must look like the prize sucker of all time. Just handed her a laugh. She didn't think it was one bit funny. And Forbes, I don't think it's funny either. Then what are you standing here for, lording it over me? I'm not doing that at all. I'm just here to let you know how things are at the moment. All right. How are things? Well, first off, we took back all the gifts you gave her. Dirty scum. Don't get mad at me, Forbes. Get mad at yourself. I didn't steal the money and try to impress her. You did. Why didn't you leave it alone? What difference does the money make to you? Nothing to me, but it means something to my insurance company. They still want it back. And they'll get as much back as they can. Well, well, good for that. What do you want now? Your signature. Hmm? I think I trace most of it down. You want to look this over? Go ahead. Uh... Those figures about right? I suppose so. I didn't keep track. Approximately? I suppose so. You're pretty thorough, aren't you? We have to be. Will you sign this? No. It'll help to clear up our bookwork a little. What difference does it make now? We've got you cold. Okay. What difference does it make? Give me. Okay, thanks. It's all it means to you, isn't it? Hmm? Dollars and cents. Dollars and cents that were stolen, Forbes. Remember that. You wouldn't let me forget it. No, I wouldn't. You did the dumbest thing in the world. You stole nearly $5,000 trying to make an impression on a girl who didn't want to have a thing to do with you. You went about it wrong from top to bottom. You've acted like the great stone face ever since you've been found out. You wouldn't bother telling me about it. I had to go out and find out myself. Off the record, Forbes, what'd you do? See her on the stage one night? No, at the office. Office? Your office? No, not exactly. Ellie was having a showing for some buyers from the West Coast one day a few weeks ago. 
For those kind of showings, he hires models from the agency. Betsy's listed with one of the agencies. You know, she acts and sings and models. Oh, sure. Well, I happened to be upstairs when the showing was going on. There were a lot of publicity people there taking pictures and so on. And I saw her. She was wearing a black... a black dress, and her, her hair was soft. She's got a smile like all the sunrisings. Sounds silly. Not at all. It's just that I never in all my life saw anyone like it before. Yeah. I don't know how it is with other guys, but she was for me from then on. I, I couldn't get her out of my mind. I found out her name, and then I found out she worked in that show at the Empress Theater. Yeah. All I had was her name. I, I didn't know how to go about meeting her. I, I just didn't know. You figured a little money might attract it to you. I've heard that's the best way to do it. It's one way. Not the best way, kid. Probably not. The best way I could think of. What did you think about taking the money? I thought I'd be able to stick it back. I guess I really didn't think much beyond just meeting her. Having her look at me the way I... I wanted her to look at me. <laughs> what? It was the wrong way to go about it, sure. But then did you ever think of my alternative, hmm? I thought of it. I pictured myself knocking on a door one night, and I could see her answering it. I'm Shelley Forbes, Betsy, I'd say. Clothes don't make them. And I'd say, while well, she sort of took in my tweed suit and the only coat I've got to my name. Listen, I'd say, I got an 8 by 10 apartment over on 59th Street. The halls always smell like cabbage, but I'm a heck of a fine guy. And I drive a 1946 Ford that misses a little, but it's good enough for us. And then I'd say, why don't you toss on your mink, and we'll go over to my dump, and we'll have a bottle of beer, and I'll tell you how much I love you. How about that? <laughs> Some alternative, huh? She makes more money in an hour than I make in a week. I couldn't even afford to keep her in cigarettes. Lord, I... I wanted her like nothing in my whole life. She might have taken you up on it, Forbes, if you'd put it that way. Yeah? What makes you think so? She wasn't impressed by any money or any gifts. <laughs> More than that, I met her. She's a pretty nice girl. Yeah. Up until the time I talked with Sheldon Forbes in the hospital, I'd always had my doubts about love happening at first sight. After my talk with him, I was convinced that it could and did happen to him. I was sorry that he didn't know quite how to handle it. I was also wondering... If I'd been in his shoes, would I have done the same thing? Expense account item 17, $4.90. I sent a wire to my home office telling them that the recovery would be in the amount of something like $2,500, obtainable on the redeemable gift items recovered. After that, I went back to my hotel. I was surprised to find Betsy Walker waiting in the lobby. Why, hello. I was afraid you might leave town. I wanted to talk to you. Sure. You just caught me. I was going upstairs and pack. What is it? Could we have a drink or something? Sure. Expense account item 18, $2, two drinks. For Betsy Walker and myself at the hotel bar. It was midday and there wasn't much action. She sat across from me, ordered an old-fashioned and asked for a cigarette. Sure. 
What'll happen to him? Forbes? Yes. Oh, he'll be sentenced Monday. They canceled the Friday scheduling because he was in the hospital. He'll go to prison? Yes. Have you seen him since he tried to kill himself? Just left him. I guess he feels awful. Yeah. I told you I haven't been able to sleep thinking about all this. Well, about him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Would he have to go to prison even if all the money was returned? Only half of it's redeemable. The rest, florist bills, restaurants and so on, just gone. How much does it come to, Mr. Dollar? Uh, short about 2000 roughly. If, well, if you had that money, what would happen to him? Oh, it'd be up to the court. I, I'd say he'd have a good chance of getting off if he changed his plea. Could I get him to change his plea? <laughs> I think you could get him to do anything. I want to pay it. You what? I want to pay that other 2000 for him and get him to change his plea. I'll make up the whole thing. Hey, now, look, Miss Walker, I, I know your motives might be the best, but you aren't responsible in any way for this man's actions. He stole money because of me. He tried suicide because of me. And now he's going to prison because of me. But you had nothing to do with it, no part of it. You may think I'm 22 years old. I'll be 29 next month. I'm not much of an actress or a singer or anything else. But I've been around this town and I know my way around. And I met all kinds. Whoever he is, whatever he's done, he's the first man I've ever known who actually went out on a limb for a girl he loved. I'm the girl and he's the man. You're serious. I probably won't remember his name a year from now. But that poor, stupid, wonderful dumbbell. He doesn't belong in any prison. He ought to get married to some nice girl somewhere. I want to help him get out of this trouble. Can I? Betsy? After all, he's given me something. Call it faith in mankind again if you like. What's the kiss for? What you just gave me, Betsy. Faith. Expense account item 19, $48, hotel. Item 20, $37, meals. 21, $15, miscellaneous. 22, same as item 1, $28.63, fare back to Hartford. Total cost of investigation, $363.51. Remarks? She got Forbes to change his plea. She paid back the additional money. He comes to trial next week. He might get a suspended sentence. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, there'll be another intriguing story for you beginning next Monday night. Next week, a trip south of the border where the flashing eyes of a dark-haired senorita spells plenty of... Well, believe me, romance and trouble can go hand in hand. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were 
Lillian Baeff, Sandra Gould, Jack Edwards, Herb Ellis, James McCallion, Parley Bear, John Stevenson, Howard McNair, Bob Bruce, and Junius Matthews. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. This is my third time through this serial, and I have to say that I am impressed with it in a way that I've never been before. I think that there is more going on in this story than might appear to be the case from a first glance. One thing I really appreciated was the scene in episode four with the, I guess we would call them today, paramedics on the scene. And the way they did the sound to that scene, it really gives it a quiet intensity that that is so effective uh, it's one of the best little bits of sound design I've heard on Johnny Dollar. To me this really does feel like a story that at its essence is about suicide which I know is a really sensitive topic. It's definitely the case today and was even more so back in 1955. The story has this repeated theme. I mean, and it's said so many times about Forbes that people are shocked that uh, it did not appear to them that there was anything wrong or any reason that he would have gone as far as embezzlement, let alone suicide. But the episode highlights this idea that some people may appear okay on the outside, but are living lives of quiet desperation. And what becomes apparent is that Forbes has concluded that, one, his life is horrible and he has nothing to offer, and two, he has messed it up so badly and it is so thoroughly broken that there's no putting it back together. And in many ways, the narrative is interesting in that when Johnny is talking to other people, we kind of see that Forbes's view of reality is skewed. For example, he is constantly and almost ridiculously too often 
uh, referred to by others for having good looks. And being respected in his department, being good at his job, and having a bright future prior to doing this. But he had gotten so far into his own head, and had gone so far down a dark path, that he first tries this utterly over-the-top, desperate, ridiculous effort to woo Betsy Walker. And when that fails, he just gives in to despair. And as episode four points out, Forbes was far from alone. If you recall, the paramedic referenced Forbes as, I think, his third or fourth suicide call of the night. And I don't think the timing of this episode is a coincidence. New Year's is one of those periods where suicides tend to peak. Although I should say that peak tends to come right after the new year and not the days leading up to it. But regardless, this is a story that suggests some of your darkest feelings and impulses may not be in touch with reality. And to those who are not suicidal, it provides what perhaps we'd call in the 21st century some awareness that you can't always just judge things by really shallow external examination. Of course, the real surprise great character in the story didn't appear until episode four. And, of course, that's Betsy Walker. There's so much I like about her and the way she's handled. One thing I appreciated is that Johnny admitted that she did not have any particular duty or responsibility in this case other than returning the gifts that she had. Because one flaw with some Golden Age programs, both radio and television, is that they blame women for things that are not their fault, or give them duties that by no reasonable standard is their responsibility. And I'm not a highly politically correct person or anything like that, but sometimes I hear those sort of things and shake my head. I, I like here that it's stated clearly that she doesn't have to do this. She has no responsibility, but she chooses to do it out of kindness. She chooses to do it because she sees something good and admirable in Sheldon Forbes when he is past the point that he is even capable of seeing anything good or positive in his life. And she doesn't do it because she suddenly has like some pity romantic attraction. If that had happened, I would just do my best to overlook this whole plot because that would be a horrible message. But rather, she did it to be kind and because it was the right thing to do. And in a way, it actually ends up serving as a counterpoint to the entire narrative of Forbes. That you can't tell in a very superficial way whether someone is okay. You see who they dress up for work as, but have no clue they might be struggling with. With Betsy, 
you never know how kind some people can be. You never know when you might witness or even experience an act of real kindness. And honestly, her action changes everything. It certainly changes things for Johnny, who has been put through the ringer in this story. And it changes things for the audience and the feelings you have as you walk away from the end of this uh, serial. And of course, it made a big change for Sheldon Forbes. If there was any one small point as I was listening to the story, I kind of debated with myself whether it was a flaw or not. It was the idea that everyone thought that it was unthinkable that he uh, could have stolen for money given that he was being paid a good salary. But when Johnny gets down there, he's living in this really crummy apartment, and all of his stuff is very cheap and frugal, and apparently he has no real savings, which is why he started plundering company funds. Now, I don't think that the program was trying to do a commentary on the company being out of touch with what it actually cost to make a living in New York. So is this a mistake? I, I kind of went back and forth, but I don't think it necessarily is. One thing to keep in mind is at this point, Forbes has been with the company for 10 years. He would have started out with a much smaller salary, but obviously built that up over time. So and he'd been at this particular place for five or six years. So it's easy to imagine that he rented this place, you know, when he was making a lot less money and has been in this sort of mental health funk for many years. And it is possible to get raises and not make good decisions. Savings was a lot more common back in the 1950s, but it also wasn't necessarily automatic. So it's quite possible that Forbes got the raise and, you know, he didn't spend the money in a crazy way, but he didn't spend it in an efficient way that got him really anything that was nicer long term or which got him to a better neighborhood because he kind of just saw himself as stuck and really not in emotional mode to think about the future. Or, you know, they could have made a mistake and forgotten what they'd written. But I think that there's enough uh, in the story and in the context to make me think that it's not necessarily a mistake. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I do want to go ahead and thank Andy. Andy has been one of our Patreon supporters since May of 2018. And as this is the first... Friday in May, uh, we go ahead and we salute Andy for supporting the program for five years. Again, thank you so much for your support, Andy. It's truly appreciated. And this will be the last of the pre-recorded episodes. And so, starting tomorrow, I'll be back to 
recording on my normal schedule. I appreciate everyone's patience. Uh, this one, I as I was finishing recording the closing commentary, I, you know, because I put a lot of thought and heart into, you know, this whole discussion, I thought, I'm not going to get any reactions to this for three months. And I definitely prefer more immediate feedback and interaction on the podcast. I really appreciate your patience over these past few weeks. Thanks so much, and uh, I do look forward to being back with you at, in a more normal way tomorrow. I do want to remind you that if you want to be sure to never miss an episode, you can follow this podcast using your favorite podcast software. And I do want to encourage you, if you are enjoying the podcast, to rate and review it wherever you download the podcast from. We'll be back next Tuesday with another two episodes of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Still worried about not finding the money? Don't you think it's kind of funny? Well, not exactly. Look, Jace, no man in his right mind commits suicide in the first place. Well, that's right. As I see it, Roscoe Kreider was all riled up because his daughter was running his life to her liking. If he was mad enough to kill himself, I think he'd be sore enough to take his money to the bottom with him. Maybe so. I can't see why he wanted to destroy $1,400. After all, Mrs. Hadley wasn't after his money. She was only trying to help him in her own way. I'm almost willing to bet we'll find that money on the end of a grappling hook. We'll see. Ooh, whoa, Charlie. Oh, oh, hold it, boy. See anything, Chase? No. I'd just like to check under that pier. It's a good place for a body to get wedged in. Well, you better be careful. This old pier is rotten clean through. Not safe to use anymore. Uh-huh. Couple boards missing. You can see straight down to the pilot. Yeah. Let me take a look. See anything, Jace? No. It's all clear down here. Let's go out to the end. Sheriff, have any of the dragon crew been on this pier? No, I told him to keep off. Why? fresh mud tracks on this planking. Well, I know none of the boys were out here. Looks like these tracks were made by someone who got out of a boat. You mean maybe Roscoe Kreider didn't commit suicide? I don't know. We didn't find any suicide note. Besides, what proof do we have that Roscoe Kreider wasn't robbed and killed? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.